Turn with me in your copy of God's Scripture to the second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy in chapter 4, verses 9 through 18. We will read in just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 9 through 18. The words will be on the screen, but we do also have uh, pew Bibles. If you see someone uh, struggling with the Bible, help them out and Those of you that might not know everywhere, that's okay. That's why we're here together to learn together and meet each other where we are. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 9 through 18. And the title of the message today is Lions, Dungeons, and the Hope of Deliverance. And the Hope of Deliverance. The year is about uh, A.D. 66-67. The wicked Nero's lines are tearing Christians apart, literally. Along with other horrifying tools of persecution and torture and death. While Nero is doing this to the Christians, an old apostle now, the Apostle Paul, is sitting in a dark and disgusting dungeon. Not like before when he was imprisoned in Rome, where he was under house arrest, but this time he's down in stocks in the dungeon. And while waiting for his imminent death for being a follower of Christ, he pins his farewell discourse to his beloved friend and companion and son in the faith, young Timothy. What happens down in that dark dungeon is not only a man writing a letter, but he's passing a torch to Timothy that the light of the Christian faith would continue. And he's also, in short, describes to us in this beautiful letter the Christian faith in essence. He describes to him his personal convictions in Christian faith. And he's letting him know that the choice he made to follow Christ was the right one as he prepared to die. And with the roar of the lions and the darkness of the distress of the dungeon surrounding him, he shares then with Timothy his hope of deliverance. And May we too have that hope today in our hearts. And may we too be reassured of that hope today even while surrounded by a world that is filled with peril and darkness. If you are physically able, I would ask if you would stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word today. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychias I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Treos. Also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. 
Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, as I've prayed over this, I felt so humbled of how quickly I am discouraged at times in my life. And yet I see a man with faith, even in facing death for his faith. How often I've been tempted to quit or give up when others have went through trials so much greater than myself. Your church today as well, Lord, is quick to give up. Uh, We are quick to have our feelings hurt. When things don't go our way, Lord, we seem to just throw in the towel. And yet we've just read the words of a man while nearing the end of his life is still serving you. Would you give us, Lord, a measure of Paul's faith, of Paul's joy, of Paul's hope of deliverance, of his steadfastness? Would you pour into us strength as you did into Paul and encourage each person here today and draw them, Lord, near you wherever they may be in their walk of faith? I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. To say that Nero was a bad guy is a horrible understatement. He was a wicked man. He was a bloodthirsty man. Uh, Even Roman citizens thought at times he went overboard. And for the Roman citizens who were professionals at torture and death... Um, to think that Nero went too far is a statement in itself to understand. Nero would actually, uh, as some would say, lose his dignity as a Caesar by getting down in with the gladiators among the blood and the death, participating in the games. Nero hated Christians, but also... This was the first great uprising against the Christian people. It was a genocide, really. Thousands upon thousands of Christians were torn apart, killed, and tortured for their faith in Jesus Christ. And especially with the great fire in Rome... And many people beginning to turn against Nero, he blamed it on the Christians, saying that they had started the fire, and so therefore he went about to imprison and persecute and kill and win the love back of his people. Two apostles 
were killed under Nero's hands, one Peter and one Paul. This was the great uprising. Paul's death would come to his death here soon after this letter. As I said, somewhere around A.D. 66 to 67 when this letter is written and then Paul's death comes. And Paul, as we read in Fox's Book of Martyrs, as legend says, was beheaded. He could not be thrown to the lions because he was a Roman citizen, probably from his father's side. But that's the scene where we're at in Paul's life. See, Paul's letter is challenging Timothy to remain faithful even in the midst of persecution and death. Paul is saying, I think, one steady stream throughout this letter. Paul is saying you've got to believe right and you've got to live right, but guess what? You've got to die right too. All of those. And we see those coming out in Paul's letter in his faith. Believe right. Live right as a Christian should and die right. We see brought out in his words. As I looked at these verses that we read just a few moments ago, I hear the voice of weariness. I hear the voice of disappointment. I hear the voice of loneliness. Even a physical and mental weakness. A desire for company and important items that he would draw comfort from. As Paul knows, the time of his departure is drawing near. It's almost come. And yet in all this, in all of this, He is not defeated. He would be killed for Christ. His body had been through many sufferings for the sake of the gospel. From beatings to stonings to shipwreck, on and on we could go. His name and his intentions had been attacked and dragged through the mud. There were battles he didn't personally get to finish, as he mentioned Alexander the coppersmith. And yet he is fully resolved that Christ would rescue him from every attack and reward him fully when he would reach the heavenly kingdom. And it was there in the heavenly kingdom that he would find rest, that he would find rescue, that he would find reward and total redemption. Beloved, I don't know about you, but what a beautiful end belongs to the believer through Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's your end as well. Your end is really just your beginning. As you're rescued from this world. You see, in Paul's life, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds beat against his house, but his house didn't fall. And his house didn't fall because it was built on the rock of Jesus Christ. His life was lived for the glory and the name of Jesus Christ that he met so many years ago now on Damascus Road. And he was appreciative to this Jesus Christ that chose him and came to him when he was not looking for God. And he rescued him from hell and he rescued him from meaningless religion that had been built upon man's wisdom. The Lord stood by me. He poured, that's what that word strengthened me. It means God poured 
power into him. And why? Why did God do that? So that through me the message, the good news of Jesus Christ might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. That's you and I. Wow. My friends, in this life, the life of a Christian, I I don't care what others say, we are not immune to hurt. And we are not immune to pain. We are not immune to being forsaken. We are not immune to being attacked for our belief and convictions and faith. As a matter of fact, we have been told really clearly to expect those things when you live for Jesus Christ. But we are given a great hope. We're given a great deliverance and a promise of being taken into God's kingdom to forever remain in security. But when we are lonely, but when we are forsaken by some and attacked for our Christian faith and service, when you are tired, when you are disappointed, let us take these final few verses of Paul's words today his farewell discourse, and let's learn from them. And may the Holy Spirit help us to not only believe right, but to live right and prepare someday to die right. The first thing I noticed, and four points I'll share with you today, if you're a note taker, they're going to be up on the screen. And the first thing In all the midst of this disappointment, he has someone to write to, and Luke is there with him. And the first thing I would say when you are disappointed or lonely or hurt, uh, forsaken, attacked, whatever it be, when you are facing the proverbial lion's mouth or the proverbial dungeon, be thankful for even a few that the Lord sends to stand by you and help you in your need. Be thankful for even a few that the Lord will send to stand by you and tend to your needs. Paul had that in Timothy. He was writing to Timothy. He was sharing with him not only his faith and the Christian faith, But he also was sharing with him his heart's desire and even his pains and his frustrations and his hurts. You see, Paul loved Timothy and Timothy loved Paul dearly. And while others had left, even Paul said, at my first defense when I stood before the Roman council, even my brothers and I'm sure sisters in Christ, no one stood with me. He lists a few, and doesn't mean they all left the faith, but for some reason, for some reason, we're not told, well, we're told why Demas, he was in love with the present world. Doesn't mean Demas wasn't a Christian, doesn't mean he left the faith, but cowardice came upon him. And he was maybe more concerned about his safety than standing for what's right and for truth and the gospel, and so he slipped away. For fear. And others, Paul said, no one stood with me. But he said, Luke is with me. What a faithful companion Luke was. 
And what a faithful son in the faith that Timothy was to Paul as well, for him to even ask, come to me. Don't you hear the sense of urgency? Come to me before winter. Bring the cloak, bring the books, bring the parchments with the Word of God. I need it before me. I need to be comforted. Timothy, please come to me. You know, in this life, we have many, many acquaintances. Many people we call friends. But beloved, if you find enough you can fit on one hand that are really friends that will stand by you through thick and thin in your in your heartaches and your pain, even in your failures, and they'll still be there and they'll still love you and they won't forsake you, you are a blessed person. You don't need the, the hundreds or the thousands to pat you on the back. Usually God gives you just a few, and that's all you need. Somebody that you can be honest with, and they won't use it against you. Thank God for those few, like Paul had. Thank God for the Timothys. Thank God for the Lukes. Thank God for another man that we read in this letter, Onesiphorus, that refreshed Paul. He sought him out while he was in the Roman prison, and he refreshed him. Thank God for those few that God sends into our life to speak an encouraging word, to deliver a truth unto us, even to meet physical needs. I have a great need for peach cobbler, if anybody feels led of the Lord to minister into my body tonight. Actually, I can't get do that. Paula and I started eating better. But be thankful. Don't, don't be so upset when everybody doesn't understand you, when the crowds don't get you, or even when the crowds don't care if you're alive or dead. Be thankful for just the few that God sends into your life to refresh you. And He is faithful to do that. I have seen that in every season of my life, that some people are there just for a season. Some people are there for just a season. But when they exit my life, so to speak, God always places another person to encourage me and to minister to my soul in this new season. He always is faithful to do that, isn't He? He's faithful to do that. Be thankful. Secondly, in believing right, living right, and dying right, we've got to pray for those that have left us. Do you, does, does this sound familiar when he said, when Paul prayed, don't let that charge stand against them, those that had left him. Don't hold that against them, Lord. Even though they were Christians and even though they left me, even though they were fearful or they had other agendas, don't hold that against them. May it not be charged against them. That sounds familiar of one that hung on the cross. His name was Jesus Christ. While being reviled and cursed and tortured and put to death, He looked down and He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And here Paul 
is really praying the same prayer for those that deserted him, his Christian brothers and sisters, while he stood alone. While he stood alone before the Roman council. Don't hold it against them. They really didn't know what they were doing. They got swept away by emotions or whatever it was. Don't hold it against them, Lord. Have mercy on them. Forgive them. Really, they didn't know what they were doing rightly. And even if they did, Lord, still, have mercy on them. What a spirit that should be in every Christian. If we say that we are going to believe rightly, we almost also must live rightly. And we must die rightly. And part of that is looking to those brothers and sisters that have forsaken us, have walked out these doors for, I don't even know most of the reasons because I'm never told. I hear about it sometime later and I never know what's true or not because they won't talk to me. But Lord, we've got to say, don't hold that against them. Bless them where they are and still use them for your glory. And thank you, Lord, for the new people you send into our life, into our church, that will refresh our souls and spirits and serve along with us. And not only are we to pray for those that have left and turned against us, but also for those that have opposed us, who have been an enemy to us, not of the faith, like he speaks of Alexander the coppersmith that did him great harm. He turned that person over to the Lord. And he said, the Lord will repay him. See, Paul, I don't know if everybody gets this, but when you're a warrior in spirit, you want to finish battles. And there's some battles we don't get to finish. There's some fights I don't get to finish. And you know what? It's not for me too. And Paul knew he wasn't going to get to finish that battle. He was going to be dead soon. And so he had resolved to say, Alexander the coppersmith opposed our message. He's done me great harm. I've turned him over to God. And trust God with your enemies. Trust God for vengeance. And just release them to the Lord. And trust God that He's going to raise up other warriors that will have to fight their battles. And have the fight of their faith. They'll have to believe right, live right, and die right. But turn them over to God. And I'm not saying that's easier. It's easier for me to roll that off my tongue than it is for us. But there's just some battles not meant for me to finish. There's some Alexanders for me just to leave alone because my time with them is different and God's moved me into another season of life. And i got to trust God with that. And I trust God with those enemies. God... I give them over to you. You will deal with them. With your justice and in your time and in your way, your name will be glorified. Your name will go on. Your name will conquer. Your name will fill the earth. Your will will be accomplished and established forever. 
And all nations of the world will gather at your throne. And the Alexanders will be cast aside. He'll take care of that. Thirdly, I want you to know this. When you're amongst the lions and the dungeons, and you're resting in the hope of deliverance, I want to encourage you, listen to me now. Listen, everybody, tune in. Pour your faith into others around you. This is Paul's farewell discourse. Now, I'm not telling you whether you're old or young to get ready to die, but I am saying prepare your farewell discourse. Your children need to hear how you came to Christ. Your grandchildren need to hear about your faith, how He saw you through, how He's been with you, how He strengthens you, what your hope is. You need to pour that into younger people's lives around you. Older people here today, there are younger people that need to hear your story. Couples who've been together, there are young couples that need to hear your story. And we can't separate ourselves as, as the world and media does with generational gaps and say, well, they don't want to hear from me. Maybe not all of them do, but there's some that will find some Timothy to pour your life into and to tell them what it means to believe right, what it means to live right, what it means to die right. Tell them. Gather the family together. Get your friends together. Tell them whom you have believed and whom you are persuaded that He's able to keep all that you've given unto Him until that day. Tell somebody pour into their life. However you do that, get the family together. Let them know how you came to Christ. How your greatest hope and prayer is that they too will follow the narrow way of Jesus Christ. How He has kept you through all these years from the lion's mouth, giving you strength in the dungeons. Tell and pour into their life until your last dying breath, until they cut off your head. Keep pouring in to Timothy's around the world. Don't ever give up until you reach the crossing of the heavenly kingdom. Don't give up! We are so quick to give up when things don't go our way. Don't quit! It is always too soon to quit until God brings you home. Keep telling God's story. Keep telling the good news. Keep discipling. Keep loving. Keep nurturing. Keep forgiving. Keep working out your salvation with fear and trembling every day. Prepare your farewell discourse again. I don't want you to get ready to die and give up on life, but I am saying maybe you need to write that down. If you cannot, if you just cannot do it right now, at least write or type it down. Type it. 
Write it. Put it in a box. I heard about Miss Marion. We were to meeting this week, and none of your family's here, are they, Miss Marion? Okay, just making sure before I spilled the beans. And she, there was a toy they played with when they were small, and she has placed that in a box and duct taped it and said, open upon my death. Beloved, if that's what you have to do, leave something behind that will pour into others' lives. However you do it, whenever you do it, do it. They're young people. This week, a 28-year-old boy buried because of drugs. Young people are more depressed and even though, though we have more ways of communication, we are more distracted than ever before in this world. And kids are full of anxieties and insecurities and uncertainties, and they're turning to the things of this world that are leading to destruction. They're worried about fitting in, and who's going to notice them? Who's going to love them? How many likes do I get on my picture? How many likes did I get on my post? They're miserable. Pour into their lives. Love them. Wherever you are, find a Timothy. I don't care if it's a 5-year-old or a 25-year-old, 35-year-old, or whatever years old. Find someone and pour your life into them. Lastly, I want you to know this, that no matter what you've experienced or you're currently going through, if you're a Christian, you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that God will do these things for you. One, He will be with you. And that's the great promise. When no one stood with Paul, he said, God was with me. He felt his presence. God will never leave you. He will not walk away from his children. He will not forsake you. Though the world may reject you, God will be with you. I've read history about, so to speak, our... Some would disagree with this statement, but just hear me out. Some, but uh, that first Baptist man, so to speak, on American soil, Roger Williams, and when he sailed over here, he was even rejected by the Puritans and even a lot of the separatists uh, because of his beliefs of not only baptism, but also of freedom and separation of church and state and freedom for religion. And he was really... He'd be somewhere a while and he'd get on their nerves with these thoughts and he was cast aside and cast aside and eventually he went up and founded Providence in the First Providence Baptist Church. And now you're sitting here really as a legacy of Roger Williams who sailed here from England. God was with him and God will be with you even when the world rejects you. Secondly, I want you to know that when you need it the most, God will pour strength into you. See, Paul's saying that he stood by me and he strengthened me. And again, that, that Greek wording means he poured power into me. 
I've watched, some of, I've watched God do that through some of your all's lives and your pains and disappointments and heartaches. God has poured strength into you. And it's really when you were at your weakest point, God poured His strength into you. And even you, have, I've heard some of you say, I don't know how I got through that. And you know, I'm with you in a few of my trials. I look back and I'm like, I, I don't have any idea how I got through that other than God poured His strength into me. And God will do that to you. Would you ask Him to do that today, God? Thank You for being with me and thank You for pouring strength into me for whatever task You have given me to do. When I want to quit, when I want to give up, when I want to tuck my tail and run, pour Your strength into me. Don't let me give up. Help me to believe right. Help me to live right. and Help me to die right. Lastly, know that God will rescue you from evil. Paul said He is rescued from the lion's mouth. What did that mean? Did that mean a literal lion? I think he meant it in a proverbial way because Nero was tearing Christians apart with his lions, but I think it was much more than a literal lion that he was proverbially using that to describe either Nero or Satan. It really doesn't matter if he was talking about a literal lion, Nero, or Satan. God delivers him from all evil. And I want to make this clear. Paul still died. He was still martyred. He was still killed. But that was his faith. In the end, God's going to deliver me from every evil. And He's going to reward me. He's going to rescue me. And though men might hurt my body, and they had hurt Paul's body time and time again, he loved the one who held his soul and his eternity in his hand. And he knew that God would rescue him from every evil. But I want you to know this, that some commentators think a little differently on this line. And and the Greek wording can be a little tricky in those. And some believe that Paul is saying in the midst of all this, he wanted God to rescue him from doing evil. That he would not sin in his last days and weeks and months. That he would persevere. That he was faith, he would, he believed in the faithfulness of God. No matter what, whether it was his sin, Nero's sin, Satan's, uh, wickedness and evil agenda, whatever it was, he was persuaded that God was able to keep what he had committed unto him until that day. God would complete and finish the good work that he started in him. God would deliver him from all evil. His or others or the world's. God would rescue him from the dungeon. He'd rescue him from the roaring lion. He'd rescue him from the Alexanders, the coppersmith. He'd rescue him from disappointment. He'd rescue him from pain. He would rescue him and he would bring him safely into his heavenly kingdom. And my beloved, if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, all those four promises are yours as well. God will always be with you because His Spirit lives within you. He will always pour strength into you when you're at your weakest point. He will, in the end, totally rescue you from all evil, even your own as well as other people's. And He will bring you safely into His heavenly kingdom. And there you will be forever safe and secure from all wickedness.
What a glorious God we truly serve. Like Paul's life, if you've built your house upon the rock of Jesus Christ, the rains are going to fall. I didn't say the rains may fall. The rains are going to fall. And the floods will come. And the winds will beat against your house. But if it's built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, if your faith is in Jesus Christ alone, that house will stand. That house will stand. And you too will see the glory of the one that loved you and gave his life for you. Lions, do you have lions around you today? Proverbial, I mean. Are you, do you feel like you're in a dungeon, so to speak? Mentally, spiritually, or physically? That's okay. Because with Jesus Christ, you can still have the hope of deliverance from all that comes against you. Amen. I'm going to ask if you will just to bow your heads. And if you don't mind, if you'll close your eyes. You've heard the message today. I pray that you have seen the heart and life of Paul the Apostle and wisdom that came from his pen and paper. I'm not trying just to work up some emotion within you, but I am trying to welcome the Holy Spirit to work among us. Do you feel like all have left you? Are you wounded by those that have opposed you? Are you weary? Do you feel trapped? If you would just lie, I'm not, I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to find you after church and track you down. I'm not going to do anything with this other than just pray for you right now. But would you show an act of faith that I could just pray for you right now? If you need prayer from the hardships of life, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Secondly, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to track you down. But I want to know, do you have the hope and deliverance of Jesus Christ in your life? and you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life, and you know that you need to, even if you can't come forward today, if you don't do anything else, I just want to pray for you. But you know you need Jesus Christ in your life and His victory. Would you just slip up your hand all? Yeah. Heavenly Father, You have seen the hands of uh, people with difficulty and persecution, those that have been forsaken by people they once held so dear. Would you comfort them, Lord? Might they be reminded today that you never leave your children and that you're with them. Mighty God, for whatever they are going through in their life, whether it be personal or with family or within their church, work, their health, would you pour your strength into them? And not just for our sake or our glory, but would you do it for your sake and your glory? 
Lord, I pray for not only those that raise their hand, but all of us, Lord, that you would rescue us from evil. Even my evil, our evil. And the evil that Satan comes against us with. The evil that fills the heart of men like Alexander the coppersmith. Would you rescue us from the lion's mouth? And God, may you give us a sweet assurance today that you will bring us safely, safely into our eternal home. And until that time as we travel as mere pilgrims on this earth, wayfaring strangers, may we leave a footprint for others to follow. That when others are in their dungeons, they'll see a footprint in the sand to walk in that will lead them in the way that is right. Lord, for each of us here today, help us to pour in goodness and life into other people. Put somebody on our hearts and minds that we can share how good you've been to us and how faithful you are in all things of life. Bless these today, Lord. They're your people. They're your people. Strengthen them. In Jesus' name, in Christ alone, we pray. Amen.